Well, good morning, Spirit of Prophecy Church. How are you guys? Amen. Amen, brother. I am good. I am great in the Lord. Hallelujah. Today is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you in here are so happy just to be alive, to be awake today? Let me see hands. That's right. That's right. So he has given us new life today. So praise God for that. There is a specific purpose for that because you were called to be here today. Amen. There is no coincidences. And, you know, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. And so we are glad to see you here. And we are glad to worship God in this house of worship. Amen. So it is our duty and it's our privilege to bring God glory in this place. So as we're going through some things here, I wanted to just at least pray. Um, And I also wanted to pray for my sisters up here. So we have trained the prophets that we're currently undergoing. We're we're going through some classes. And um, we have some presentations that we would like to share with you. So in order to glorify God and in order to encourage our brethren here, we have Sharonda, and she'll be speaking on Wait on the Lord. And then we also have Melissa, and she's going to share a God intervention talk. And we'll also follow up with another sister, Esther. Uh, She's going to be speaking about the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. So bow your heads and welcome these guests as I pray over them real quick. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we worship you and we glorify you. You are good and your love endureth forever. We receive all your blessings today. But most importantly, we want to worship you and we want to raise our voices and we want to increase this church that we can always point back to you. Father God, I ask for peace and boldness for each of my sisters here about to deliver a message. I ask, Father God, that you are with them, that your spirit resides in them and that they have no fear because you give them the dictations that they need in order to preach a good word. So we say thank you. We receive that. And we cannot wait to hear what Sharonda, what Melissa, and what Esther have in store for us through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to pass the mic over to Sharonda. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm going to be speaking on waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. We're going to be reading from Psalms today. We're going to start at Psalms 27. 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When, I, when thou sayest, seeketh my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, I will I seek. So when you're waiting on the Lord, you're trying to figure out what your next step is, get on your face and pray. That's where you're going to get your answers from. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me into the plain path because my enemies. Deliver me not over unto the deliver me not over unto the the will of mine's enemies, for the false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe a breathe of out cultry. I had fa- I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be good, be, be good, courage and have and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. What can we learn as we wait on the Lord? 
as it said in verse 12, deliver me not over unto, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. Waiting on the Lord does not mean that you're going to get an answer today. We live in God's time, not our timing. So we, we may think that we know the, what the right path is. We may start that path, but if it's not the Lord's path, he will put us back on the path that we need to be on. Put on your full armor of God and do spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, 11. And if we will all together this morning put on our full armor of God. We put on the helmet of salvation, our righteous breastplate, the girdle of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and our gospel feet shod, standing on the word, the word of God. Make sure that you're doing this every morning and every night, the front and the back. And you also want to declare the word of the Lord. And that's going to be by reading your Bible daily. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall raise against thee in judgment thou shalt command it. This is the, the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness of me, saith the Lord. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. There are processes of waiting on the Lord as we were saying. Um, in verse 8, when thou seeketh... When thou saidest, seeketh ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Seek him passionately and let him, and let him find you. Seeking God, make sure you're praying, reading the word, going to church, set, a set aside quality time with the Lord, spend time in your prayer closet. And the prayer closet doesn't have to be a physical closet. You just want to be away from any distractions, even if it's just a chair in a corner. Just no distractions, no TV, no radio, no people, no dogs, no animals. God wants to draw you closer to him. Wait upon the Lord. Hide night. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not out. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God, for my salvation. What can we learn from thou hast been my help? That's a tough question because we always need help, but nobody always, sometimes we don't want to ask. The fruit of faith is activated when we wait on the Lord. Thou hast been my help. We stand on the fact that God has helped us in the past, and therefore we, we know he will not fail us. The fruit of long-suffering is activated as we wait on the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, and thine always acknowledge him, and he shall direct my paths. In conclusion, do spiritual warfare. Do spiritual warfare. Won't let the, we won't let the enemy win. Declare the word of the Lord. Build up your spirit, man. Seek God in his time of waiting. Draw closer to God. We build our faith in time, the fruit of faith developing in our lives. We build our trust in, his, in this time. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. He will never leave nor forsake us. We strengthen our relationship with God while, he wait, while we wait on him. In the future, when we enter a time as we wait on him, our faith and trust is already as, on a strong foundation that he will see, th see us through. Waiting on his perfect timing and will is always going to be with us, be for us. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sharonda. Um, beautiful pictures, by the way. 
I loved all of the images that she included in her presentation. Um, and, uh, oh, there we go, much better, sorry. Uh, a lot of beautiful images, but, you know, the Word of God, a lot of the scriptures that Sharonda used were actually key points. And thank you again, because that is fundamental for each one of us in this room. Uh, personally, I know that waiting on the Lord is not always the easiest thing to do. It, it sometimes feels very uncomfortable, but that's why it's paired up with faith. You have faith, and you can also look back in your life to different testimonies that God has overcome things for you. And so continue to wait on the Lord, and he will restore you. He will, he will exalt you. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Sharonda. That was a great word. Uh, next up, we have Melissa. Welcome, Melissa, everybody. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Uh, let us pray. God... Open our eyes in wonder to who you are and lead us in love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. In my walk with God, um, one thing I've really come to understand is that there are certain prophets that are not as very well known with the general public. And they're very much uh, like a butterfly with clear wings or an astronaut with a golden helmet on the head. And this is very much by design because they let the light of God pass through them. Or they reflect who he is to others. And this is because God receives all of the glory and all of the praise. And uh, one example of this is going to be Oded in Second Chronicles 28. Um, the title of our teaching is Odin's Interjection, Biblical Posture and Releasing the Brotherly Captive. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is no greater example in the history of mankind of God's intervention in our lives than his spoken word. The Bible, God's book to man, begins with an account of the, word, the power of the word of God in Genesis, and then it also ends in Revelation with an actuation of the same power of the living God to the book of life. So this is a reoccurring theme. I am the beginning, and I am the end. And from beginning to end, he is the spoken word. Colossians 1, 16, 17, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. So God is the creator, the establisher of everything through his spoken word. And even from the beginning, when he spoke his word, the world into existence, therein was the plan of salvation. Hebrews 1.3, who being the bright image of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. So we're getting a glimpse here of the absolute awesome power of God through his living word. And one way that God reveals his word and speaks is through his prophets. Um, contained in the text of biblical passages are direct expressions of God's message to man through his servants, the prophets. For prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is our honor as sons and daughters, as kings and rulers with him, 
to search and find these things out. In 2 Chronicles 28, um, we get introduced to an evil king called Ahaz. And um, this, this is a time where uh, Solomon had died. The kingdom of Israel had been split into two separate kingdoms. We had the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. And at, in Judah uh, was King Ahaz, and he was very much into serving his false god. The Bible says that he strategically set up worship to his false god in the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. I don't know how many trees that is, but that, that's very extensive. That sounds like a lot. And then it uh, further uh, describes Ahaz as pursuing his God with uh, such oblation to the fact that he actually sacrificed his own children into fire. As a direct consequence of this sin, just like in Chronicles when we have evil ruler after evil ruler, then we have the, the kingdom gets overthrown. And um, it says that 120 valiant men of Judah were destroyed in one single day because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. 200,000 women and children were taken captive along with much spoil. So at this point, what we're looking at is just decimation. It's, it looks, it's over for this, for this nation, for this kingdom, because we know that God is true to his word. And, you know, you reap what you sow. And if you're going to sow into wickedness, then you're going to reap those things. But, but a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Odin. In walks a man of God. And what you need to understand is that Odin was very much ahead of his time than other prophets. Because the way that God used him was in a tremendous effect. The name Odin in Hebrew means to counter, to encourage, to restore, to set up. And Odin truly lived up to his name. Praise God. He addressed the kingdom of Israel, encouraging it to consider its own sin in relation to the captivity of Judah. Behold... Because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand, and you have slain them in a rage that reaches up to heaven. So him saying that there's a rage that reaches up to heaven, this man had tremendous insight in the spirit realm of that time to even know these things. He had a deep connection with the Lord. And now you purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen, and bond women unto you. But are not there with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God. In an unprecedented move, Israel returns the captivities of its neighbors. Second Chronicles twenty-eight fifteen, And the men which were expressed by name rose up and took the captives along with the spoil um, and with the spoil clothed all that were naked among them and arrayed them and shod them and gave to them to eat and drink, anointed them and carried the feeble and put them on animals and returned them to Samaria. Now, of great importance is the effort which with these people were released. Um, you know, you have to really take into account the tremendous effect of this one interjection, interjection of this man of God. 
You know, this is the equivalent of Russia saying to Ukraine, here, put these shoes on. Here's some shoes, and let me walk you across this bridge that I just destroyed. So Second um, Chronicles 28 is a story of brotherly conflict and hostility. But this theme is one of the original sins when Cain killed Abel. It reemerges continually throughout Scripture and even our own lives. You can see here, this is a picture of Isaac. Um, and we have the story of Isaac and Jacob. We have the story of Joseph and his brothers and so on. Um, and we even in- encounter this in our own lives and our own relationships. So what can be done about this? On November 13, 2020, um, I was living in Cedar Park, Texas. And I had seen on the news that there was uh, a report saying that there was a hostage situation just down the street from me. And I do not li- I did not at the time live in a very high crime area. And I actually had recently, I guess maybe about two months prior, there was yet another hostage situation that took place. And um, this person had actually uh, unloaded weapons uh, on the police officers. And it was a really uh, crazy scene that unfolded. And I thought to myself, not again, not on my watch. And so I cried out to God and said, God, what can be done about this? And so you can see the headline here. Um, it says, suspect identified in hostage situation. Police say 50 shots fired. You can see a picture uh, of the vehicle. It's riddled in bullet holes. And it said that one police officer was hit in the bicep. One was shot in the ribs uh, with a vest on, and then a bullet grazed the top of the head. And so we know that God was merciful in protecting uh, these responders that day. So when I cried out to God and said, Lord, what can be done about this happening in my community? Second Chronicles 28. He took me to Second Chronicles 28, and he showed me that there is a biblical principle, that there are, uh, there are things that we can pull this from. There's a gem within God's word that is revealed that we can use and we can apply to these situations in our lives. So what, how do we position ourselves to actually utilize this? First of all, we have to acknowledge our protective obligation to one another. When Cain asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper or shamar, He was referring to guardian. And without the recognition of a moral ethic compelling us to care for one another, we can easily be used as devices for casualty. And let me give you a quick example of that. Um, There was a ministry I was working with, and they had a very strong um, administration for the word of God. There was uh, a lot of revelation and strong teachings coming out of this ministry. And there was just not really a lot of participants, a lot of people, uh, you know, actively in the crowd. And of course, um, I was around during the time of COVID when a lot of people just disbanded and they were not, you know, actively involved in church. So I had discussed with this minister, the topic came up and uh, this minister was hurt by the situation and was, you know, there was a couple of bitter root judgments said and things like, you know, these people are so lazy and so forth. What you need to realize is that we can hold people hostage in our hearts, right? And so when we do that, we can prevent the blessings of God. So 
really what we need to consider is, you know, we are a brother's keeper. So I encourage, you know, I encourage, uh, you know, any kind of church leadership, if you're having maybe a situation similar, pray for those people. Ask God to bring them back. And if they don't come back, that's no longer in your hands. As a prophet, Odin understood very well his purpose. So he could have just turned the news on and said, oh, wow, look, look at that. That's a really unfortunate situation. Um, or he could have just simply accepted the judgment on Judah as something that they had deserved. But he saw within a tragic and predictable event the potential for something far, far greater. One thing that we truly, as a group, as an end times church, need to realize is that we cannot discount the power of the spoken word through a servant of the living God. So, uh, you know, David, David gets a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, attention for what he did, and he sure did do mighty and valiant things for God. You know, he, he killed the giant, and he stood on top, and he cut the head off with a sword. But Odin used a different sword. When everything looked like it was completely lost, he went in, and he had faith and he laid down his own pride, and he used the sword of the Spirit, the word, the power of our living God, to make a tremendous effect and change for so many people's lives. So we must not be afraid. We must boldly speak this, this truth, believing in God as the Lord, our restorer. Amen. So Odin's story, um, his uh, one thing you also need to realize is that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but, you know, spiritual principalities and powers. And I can give you an example of this. Um, just this past week, I had someone that was trying to hold me hostage. So I had someone that was trying to scam me and uh, interacting with me. And it, it wasn't a very long interaction. You know, thank God that we are wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So, you know, it would have been easy just to say something sarcastic or be offensive, be offended, and just, just you know, disband the situation. But I felt a pull in my heart to just linger and let the situation keep going because I felt like I needed to confront this individual. And so what I did was I actually did. I, I got on camera and I said, who are you really? And I told this person, I said, you know what? You are in a bad, bad way. You need God. You need salvation. And then this person started writing a huge, long message, and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I don't know what kind of things they have to say to try to keep my attention. I'm not interested, and I'm going to go ahead and just block and delete this, which I did. But then a longer message came through. And this person started crying out and said, you know, I don't deserve you to hear this, but when I met you, everything about you was different. You really know God. I want to change life right now. And I will show, I will come on video, I will show you who I am. He said, I'm a 27-year-old man living in Nigeria. And I actually met this person on video and talked to this person. He told me his life. He told me his life story and what he was going through. And in that very moment, he received salvation from our God. He said, he said I'm going to remember this date. And he said, I'm deleting all of my apps to scam people. And so 
Praise God. This is all the way in another country. You know, to penetrate uh, the heart, to penetrate when uh, the scales are on and, and, and people's defenses are up and they're just living in a wicked age and time where, you know, a lot of things don't matter, but God can get through. And I want to encourage you to take back your communities, to take back what, what God has entrusted to us, to be defenders and bridges for the gospel, for God's kingdom, because he is a living God. His word is power. His word has power and ability to change lives, to change communities, to shift atmospheres, and, and to bring the plan of salvation wherever he would have it. But are you willing? Are you willing? So I just ask today that you surrender yourself and that you consider God's amazing ability to change the situation around you. Church, praise God. That was, that was quite a word. Um, you know, it says in the Bible that we are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we have several testimonies up here. I mean, you guys aren't up here on stage, but it's, there's some fire going on here. Um, you know, praise God because of the word that has been spoken through Melissa this morning. The word has power, amen. And she has beautifully laid it out for you. And so it is our duty to receive that word, to receive that message this morning and to do something about it. So I love how you, how you laid that out. That was a great message and thank you. Um, next up we have Esther and she'll be talking about the Lord is our shepherd. Amen. We need a shepherd. We are sheep. And, you know, some of us act like sheep, especially me. But I know I need a shepherd with a protection and a long rod and a, a shepherd's hook. Here you go. Thank you. I give glory to God this morning. I thank the leadership of this ministry. And I thank Prophet Leslie for giving me this opportunity. I commit all this unto the glory of God. And I commit the Holy Spirit to teach us and touch our hearts. Amen. My topic this morning is the Lord is my shepherd. And that is pulled from Psalm 23, the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a statement, a statement of ownership that the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That one single statement, the Lord is my shepherd, the term shepherd, is used metaphorically. In other words, it's a word that is used to represent something else. In this case, he is representing Jesus. He is the shepherd of the flock of sheep. We, you, even I, we are the sheep of his pasture. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And in Psalm 103, he says, We. I injected myself in there. I said, I, Esther, am his people. I'm on the ship of his pasture. We all here, we are the lost sheep, and he is our shepherd. We are, we are the sheep in the pasture. Praise the Lord. And the word noun is, who is the shepherd? A shepherd is an actual occupation. A shepherd is someone who tends the flock of sheep in the pasture. The very first picture I showed up there, you saw somebody, a male, with the sheep around him. That's a shepherd. He leads, he guides, he protects, and he provides for the sheep. 
He keeps a watchful eye out for predators and ensures none of his sheep go astray. Similarly, a pastor of a congregation can also be referred to as a shepherd. He teaches his flock, he nurtures them, he guides them, and likewise protects his congregation. In Psalm 23, Jesus is portrayed as a shepherd. He appears as the guide, the protector, the provider, the healer, and shepherd of his sheep who need his love, care, and mercy with the sheep. In John 10, 11 to 18, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. And at the same time, in this same passage, he makes a descriptive comparison between a hurling and a good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. A hurling is somebody who is hired. In John 10, 11, 18, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an earling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hurling fleeth because he is an earling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As a father knoweth me, and even so know I the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doeth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I receive of my father. A hurling is hired to perform a task. Whose sole interest for, is for gain or profit without benefit to those it's meant to protect and care for. While he, Jesus Christ, on the other hand, his sole purpose as a shepherd is for the preservation of the sheep. And he will go to any length to protect and ensure the total well-being of the sheep. If you go back to that previous he said, therefore, he said, no man take it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay down and I have power to take it again. That's what he said. And that's what he says there. He said, I said, he, he was not hired to be a shepherd. He laid, his, he laid it down, his life for the sheep. There's a relationship between the two, between him and the sheep, that he knows them individually by name. And they recognize his voice. He likened the relationship to that of him and God the Father. Jesus Christ knows each and every one of us individually. No matter what you think. He knows me, Esther. He knows Mr. Jonathan, Mr. Brett. He knows each of us individually by name. He said he formed us. Before we were even formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. Praise the Lord. Do we need a shepherd? 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. John 1, 7 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Yes, we do need a shepherd. It's difficult enough just you know, from day to day existence here on earth. The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, 
something that you can see, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness, which we can't even see. That is why we need a shepherd. In that Job 1, 7, Satan said, you know, I'm going back and forth looking for whom to devour. As soon as we step out of, this is a sanctuary right here, but as soon as we step out of there, Satan is out there. That's what he said up there in Job 1, 7. He's going back and forth, to and fro. And that is why we need to guard our heart. Because what the, the devil looks for is your heart. He wants to see the content of your heart. And when you have the word of God in you, it's like a, you connecting, plugging yourself into the electrical socket. Connect yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that electrical current fill you. When Satan looks into you, all he sees is the power of God in you. He will flee. Remember the Bible in the story where it says the, uh, the girl who had, you know, demonic spirit looked at the servant of God and, you know, he, she wanted to go ahead and prophesy. She saw what was in them. You know, the Bible says the spirit, you know, we bear witness, not physical eye, but, you know, the spirit in me and the spirit in you bear witness that we are children of God. Satan can see who is not a children of God. He can at the same time see who is trying to be a child of God. You know, and the Bible also makes us to understand when Jesus Christ fasted after 40 days, what did the Satan do? Come to tempt him. Because he saw he's now up, rising up. He has risen in power. And he wanted to come and test that. Who are we then? You know, common mortals here on earth that he will not tempt us. And that is why we need the shepherd to guide us, to protect us, to lead us. And the Lord instructs us and said, fear not. And the Bible says that there is 365 verses in the Bible that says, fear not. That must really mean something. Fear not. We have 365 days in a year. So in other words, for every day of the year, the Lord says, fear not. You step out, he said, fear not. You come in, fear not. Lie down, fear not. In Isaiah 41.10, he says, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Praise the Lord. It's a promise. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth good, that, that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The Bible says the word of God are yes and amen. It says when God sent forth a word, it goes and fulfills the purpose for which it was sent. So if he says fear not, fear not. He is with you. He will give you the strength. He will give you the courage. He will give you the wisdom to do that which you desire in your heart to do. Do not be afraid. He is God that keeps his promises. He fails not. As the Lord himself says, fear not, for I am with you. Faith in God as Lord of all gives us confidence that he will do exactly as he says. If we only believe in him as he asks. He will strengthen us, and he will help us through all situations in life. It doesn't matter what it is. I've experienced that. 
and I have confidence. This similar statement, the Lord is my shepherd, gives me comfort and allows me to completely put my trust, my hope, and faith in God. Yes, it is difficult enough having to endure the trials and temptations of this earth, not knowing what will happen from one day to the next. It's life. That's why we're here on earth. But believe it or not, the trials and temptations that we experience here on earth is the purification that we have to go through to receive the crown that is awaiting us. We shouldn't fail. It says, fear not. 365 days, I mean, 65 times in the Bible. Like I said, one day for each fear not. Praise the Lord. So for me, I decided a long time ago, I've had a lot of trials and, you know, tribulations in life. I've been divorced for 24 years. I have two kids, one with special needs. That's enough right there for me to say, oh, my God. But the Lord says, fear not. And over the years, I have come to realize I do have a good shepherd. Every step that I take, I ask the Lord to go before me. In the, one of the passages in the psalm, it says, he will light our path and guide our footsteps. So even before you step out there, you call on him to go before you, to light your path, so that as you go, you don't have to fear because he's already gone ahead of you. You asked him to, and that's exactly what he would do. Some of us really do not really believe that when you ask God to do something, he will. And I think that's just the nature of man. But we tend to believe when we see other miracles happening to other people, we rejoice. That is good. But when we come to us, you know, we really don't think, oh, will he do it? Will he not do it? He is God. He will do it. He may not answer you right there and then, but he will answer your prayer because he is the good shepherd. Praise the Lord. So like I said, I decided a long time ago, after many trials and failures, to anchor my hope and trust to the one that can lead, the one that can guide, the one that can provide and protect me, and that is Jesus, the good shepherd. And I encourage each and every one of us here to make the good shepherd the leader in our lives, the center of our lives, the one we hope, the one we trust. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God, church. Thank you, Esther. You know, with the word of God, how you've displayed it, it shows me how to find comfort in my shepherd. You, you show us, uh, you know, one, one thing that was interesting that I've learned is about the 365. I didn't know the amount, right? One for every single day of the year. Praise God, church. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, so Jesus is our shepherd, and we are his sheep, the sheep of his flock. And it's funny because I remember my brother-in-law, he was telling me how silly sheep can be. You know, they may not be the brightest, and also they definitely don't have a defense mechanism. He was telling me a story where there was a, a video online somewhere, I think he was saying, that the sheep were jumping over a stick, right? And one after another, they were following suit. The one before them, they saw that the sheep jumped over the stick, so they jumped over the stick when it was their turn. 
um, the person that was filming or was a part of the, the video, he removed the stick. And what did the sheep do? They continued to jump. They kept on jumping. They, they didn't know why, but they kept following. So it shows a natural need of a follower, of a leader, sorry. Natural need of a leader. And we have that leader in Jesus Christ. Amen? He shows us the way, and he provides us the strength. He provides us the comfort. He provides us the peace. He provides us everything that we need at the right time. Amen? So all of these things to say, glory to you, God. You are worthy of our praise. We know who you are. We're here to speak your knowledge today. And we desire for everybody that does not know you to come to find out who you are, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Wow. Uh, I have been encouraged. I'm sure you guys have been as well. Um, the reason being, we have to reflect back as to the opportunity that we were given here uh, in Spirit of Prophecy Church. We were given the opportunity to speak the Word of God and to continue to increase His ministry through us. And I just, I'm very thankful because I also have the privilege to stand up here before you all, uh, my brothers and sisters, and also to speak the good word and to encourage you all. And it's by the leadership of, of this church that they have given us that, that privilege, that capability to come up here. Uh, speaking of which, Train the Prophets is April 21st through 24th, and this is exactly what we're practicing here. Uh, the same way that you see each of these ladies, they have the word of God with them in them, and they have that power. You will be able to find that power. You'll be able to see your strengths. You'll be able to even work on weaknesses. Um, some other things in Train the Prophets or the School of Prophets is you'd be able to understand the fundamentals of Christianity. You'd be able to continue forth in understanding, um, you know, the power of God's word. You'd be able to see and work with your brothers and sisters and understand how to deliver and cast out, um, you know, impure spirits. You'd be able to even understand the fruits of the spirit and just have a complete and holistic understanding of your role and your responsibility here on earth and as children of light. So, um, you know, just again, very thankful for Prophetess Leslie and the leadership for even offering us that. Um, we already see that we are growing very quickly, and praise God for that because he promises multiplication through his word of God, through the seed. So um, I'm not sure if we have any snacks in the back, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for it, as well as anybody out there that, um, that would like prayer or that we need more people here at this church this morning. Amen? So bow your heads. Heavenly Father, uh, we're here again, and we come to say thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the messages that were portrayed here. Thank you, God, for the boldness. Thank you for quickening our spirit to understand the word of God, to receive the gifts that you have for us. So in the same way, this morning we receive your gifts. We receive your presence here. We welcome your presence, and we ask that you would bless the food, whatever we have prepared back there, that you would bless it and that it would nourish our body and our soul. I also pray for the people that are on the way to church uh, for those of you that cannot make it, I also pray, Father God, that whatever they are dealing with, Father, that you know if it's sickness, I ask for healing in Jesus' name. I speak healing. I speak prosperity over their health. I speak, uh, I speak success over them. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would continue to work on their souls, that you would continue to work on their hearts, that you would till the ground of their heart so you would make it readily available to receive the word of God today. 
So we thank you, God, and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All right, it's time for praise and worship. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and spread out. It's time to praise his mighty name. Amen. Well, we got praise shields. We got keys. We got our feet. We can sing. We can shout. We can dance. We can twirl. Any? Am I missing anything? No? Well, let's have fun this morning and praise his mighty name. Let me hear you all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're ready to go to war. Be the warriors on the front line worshiping him in his name. If we can't do it now, how are we going to do it in heaven? Because we do it nonstop up there. Amen. Come on. Let's get excited. I want to hear you. Hallelujah. We're rooting for his team. He is the victor. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Lord, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are so worthy. We worship your mighty name, Jesus. Come on, let's put our hands together. We've waited for this day. We've gathered in your name. We're calling out to you. Your glory like the fire. Awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. Yes. And you're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of my brain. Hallelujah. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky. You're standing like a cloud. You're standing with us now. Lord, unveil your eyes. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. Open up the floodgates. Open up the heavens. We want to see Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from our hearts, filling every part of our brains. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory, show 
and Lord of Lords. Who can stop the open the big in the beginning and the end. Our deliverer, our Savior, our Redeemer. Who can stop, who can stop the, Lord the Lord God Almighty? There is no one, no one else but Him. There is no other God besides Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Who can stop the Lord God Almighty? No one. There is nothing. Who can stop the Roaring with power and he's fighting the battles. Every knee will bow before him. My God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every
the King that saves us, powerful and full of love. Hallelujah. You are the King that gave us life with every drop of your blood. Jesus, the Miracle work. 
you're touching every heart. Come on, worship Him. Lord, we worship you. You are here. Healing every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, and you're turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, and you're mending every. I worship you, yes, I worship you, oh, oh. miracle worker, promise keeper, yes, your light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, come on, tell them who he is and let you love him for it, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper,
You are worthy, Father God. Praise the name of the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to be here with you all today. Today is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is a new day, and I hope that each and every one of you has a chance to uh, rest a little bit and catch up from that hour that we lost. We are springing forward in the name of Jesus, right? So we are here in spring, and uh, I have the privilege to be able to speak in front of you again. Uh, my goal always is to glorify God, to glorify the name of Jesus, of Yeshua. And I'm up here, and I pray that I can also encourage my brother here today. That is my heart. And I, I, worship, I worship God. I just want to say, you know, um, and behold, I, I beheld and um, praise you, God. I'm going to pray, okay? And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive riches and honor and glory and power and strength and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I say, a blessing and honor and glory and power be to him that sitteth on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the beasts, the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him. And worshipped him that lived forever and ever. And the church joined them and said, Amen. Amen. We're here to worship Jesus. That was, uh, I, I just feel broken. <sighs> Thank you, God. It was, it's by the revelation, <clears throat> by the revelation of Jesus that we are here today. It is by his salvation. It is by his glory, by, by how he shines through us that we're able to be here today. Um, I have the privilege, again, I'm sorry, bear with me here, but I have the privilege to speak um, to you guys here. Um, uh, some of our associate pastors are out. Um, they're out in ministry. We continue to pray for them. Uh, Prophet Soon He and Pastor Lou and we continue to pray for uh, Pastor Stan and Prophet Leslie. They'll return next week. So until then, um, I am going to be here with you guys, and we'll be speaking about the Word of God again. Um, last week, we talked about the Word of God, and it was just, it was a huge revelation. And it's my prayer today that those of you on the line, or online, those of you in this church will prepare your hearts to receive the Word of God so that it would be planted deeply within your heart. That's all that matters. All right, so I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to start out with memories that inspired me. Okay? So here is memory number one, a uh, little bit about me. I was an intern for law enforcement, and I remember in this picture on a specific day, it was one of the coolest times that I was able to witness um, you know, law enforcement in action. So they were training. And on that day, let's call a certain person Special Agent Bond, right? James Bond, okay? So this gentleman was a tactical trainer. He was a firearms specialist. And that lesson for the day 
was him to show the other special agents how to prepare themselves when in battle, especially whenever they're concealing a firearm. So uh, he said, what better way than just to show you, right? So he, he went out and uh, he had one of his colleagues had a little machine that had a button uh, and that button would beep. So that would make the shooter ready, right? So before he beeped the button, he holds it to his earpiece, to the fire instructor's earpiece, and says, shooter ready. Beep. And guys, this was amazing. It was just crazy, incredible. It was like in the twinkle of an eye or in one moment's notice, I didn't even see his hands move. It was so quick. He lifts up his shirt, right? And then he pulls out the gun, and then he aims at the... Uh, you know, he, he takes the safety off and he aims at the solid piece or the metalwork and he unloads his clip. Bah, 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 bah. And I was like, whoa, that was cool. That was, that was pretty cool. So uh, after that was done, he turns to his fellow uh, special agents and they were just as amazed as I was, but they were probably trying to look cooler than I was. So I was like, and after I picked up my jaw from the floor, he was able to reveal his secrets, right? So he was saying that the tactical advantage is in the secret place. He didn't use the term secret place, but it was in his moment of quiet where nobody was watching. He would go home and he would do this practice called dry fire, which dry fire, if you take your gun out and you unload it, all live rounds are gone. They're not loaded in the clip. You just take your gun and you point it at a target and you pull the trigger gently and click, you'll hear a click. And you keep on practicing that. And that, my friends, will help you with the muscle memory. So you get to know your tool, right? So I just want to say that because I pray here today that each one of you gets to know your tool, which is the word of God, which is you go back to the secret place and you practice it when nobody's watching because it says the Father that that is in secret, sees in secret, and he will reward you openly for all to see. So you will manifest the glory of God. Amen. Here's another one. I don't know if anybody knows this guy in here. His name is Ronnie Coleman. You may have seen him or heard of him. Eight-time consecutive winner of Mr. Olympia. That's a big deal because he's like a huge guy, right? So... Uh, I was at this place called Europa in Dallas, and it's basically a, a gathering of all of the you know, suppliers of supplements for people that are bodybuilding and also some other people that are showcasing what they're able to do, their physique and all that stuff. Um, I went with some of my friends, and so whenever I went, I showed up, and of course, Ronnie, out of everybody, he saw me and he's like, wow, I want to look like that guy. So I need to go and see what his, no, this, this, that's, that's untrue. <laughs> Anyway, I was a fanboy, so I went up to him, and I shook his hand, and his hand just engulfed mine like a, like a baseball mitt. It was just huge, big guy, right? So um, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him. I didn't get to, uh, I just got to shake his hand. He had so many other people to say hi to and sign autographs, but the uh, reason why I have that picture up there is this past week, I was speaking with my dad. You know, I called him. I check up on him. He's retired now, so I just want to make sure he's not getting into trouble. So I'm like, hey, Dad, how are you? You know, what's going on? What, what does a retired guy like you have to do with retirement, right? He's like, well, son, you know, uh, uh, today I decided to watch a documentary. And I was like, really? Okay. What kind of documentaries are you watching these days? 
And he says, well, this one was about a guy by the name of Ronnie Coleman. And I'm like, <laughs> my friend. Um, yeah, Dad, we go way back. And he's like, oh, really? So I sent him this picture, but I had to tell him the same thing I told you guys. All that was fake. But this is a, this is a real picture, by the way. Um, so we were talking, and he said, you know, it's just so intriguing. The day in the life of a bodybuilder, we have no idea. All we see is their body, and we see, like, how much they've worked, right? But we don't know truly how much work they put into it. Whenever you research any bodybuilder, they eat tens of thousands of calories a day. I try to do that, and I think I got up to five one time, you know, 5,000, but it's tough. You have to force yourself to eat. And the reason why they do that is because they're in the gym so long. They're in the gym hours on end, right? So they're in the gym training, training, training. So they have to feed their muscles. So whenever they're not in the gym, they're in the kitchen. When they're not in the kitchen, they're forcing the food that they cook down their throat so they can feed the, the muscle. And they always say that it's a grueling process. It's not as fun as you may think. Like, oh, food, yay, you know? No, it's a grueling process, and they stick by it. And whenever they're not eating, they're back in the gym training. When they're not in the gym, they go back to the kitchen to make their next meal. And over and over and over again. It's a perpetual cycle. So for a whole year, Ronnie Coleman trains for Mr. Olympia. And he says that his regimen, like 12 weeks prior to the actual competition day, he will prepare, right? So that means that the rest of the 365 days, he's in the gym and he's eating a lot, right? So he's training diligently. While nobody's watching him, he's doing all of this. He's preparing. He doesn't have somebody catering to him. He's doing all of this on his own, right? He's building up his muscle. You guys are probably understanding where I'm going with this, right? So every single day, he prepares and he trains. So in the same form, in the same manner, why don't we prepare and train for the tool that we were gifted with, the Word of God? The same way, do you guys not know that you are in a spiritual battle? And I say you, but I mean we. Every single day, we have wars waging against our spirit. We have the evil one, as Esther was saying, that there is a lion out there seeking whom to devour. And how God asked Satan in Job, where were you, Satan? And he said, well, you know, roaming the earth to and fro, you know, just looking for who I can pick on these days. Who better to pick on than the people that have the word of God against, the, against Satan's kingdom, right? That is who he targets. So to bring all of this together and to talk about the next, or to introduce the topic, there is a, a sticky note here that I recorded, so I'm just going to read that to you real quick. It says, um, sow a thought and reap a deed. Sow a deed and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. And so a character and reap a destiny. The, the, the author of that is unknown, so I just listed it as unknown, but that says a lot about somebody. It's about the little details about your life. What is important to you creates those habits. Those habits create the character that you are. And that character ultimately determines where you will be. Amen? So last week, we were able to cover the Word of God. And it was revealed to us that the word of God is Jesus Christ. He is the son of the living God. And he is 
the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's great. So today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the power of the Word of God. So uh, as we know and as we read in Scripture, the power of God, through Jesus, we are given the power to heal. We're given the power to deliver, meaning drive out impure spirits and to cast out devils, right? We are to correct misinterpretation of the law. And we have direction for those that are lost, for those that are spiritually blind. They are seeking something. They're seeking life, right? They don't know what it is, but we have the word of God within us. Amen? Amen. So today we will be talking about an additional function of the word of God, and that is to receive unto ourselves life through resurrection. Wow. Yes. We have the power. We have the power to live and be resurrected with our king of glory. Amen? So we'll show you how. So the topic of today is called the seed of life. The seed of life. So we'll talk on several topics, starting with first fruits, with resurrection, and then finally with the gospel. All right. So here is a picture of Adam. We're going to start from the very beginning. And again, I am a nerd at heart, a mechanical engineer by profession. So I'm going to take you guys very methodically through the first part. And please don't fall asleep. Just stick with me here, okay? I promise I have a plan. And the plan is to show you what the seed of life really is. Amen? All right. So here is Adam. Adam, the term Adam, we call it, we think it's a name, right? But really, Adam means from the earth. In Hebrew, it's Adamah, right? Adamah meaning from earth. So we were built, we were formed, we were fashioned by God from the ground. And then he breathed the breath of life into our nostrils. And at that moment, we had life. Amen? Amen. At that moment, we had life. We were breathing. We were were the spirit. We had a spirit that God has breathed into us. So remember, Adam is fertile ground. Adam is soil. Adam is the earth. So we continue in Genesis, and we see how things play out. You know, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, or the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? So we learned that out of the words, out of the very mouth of God, he spoke words, and he spoke things into existence. Amen? In the same way, he fashioned a man out of the dirt, breathed the breath of life into him, called him Adam, right? Then we see that Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone, and he he was blessed with Eve, which she was formed and fashioned out of his rib. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. What else did God say in Genesis chapter 1? And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Remember that. Replenish the earth or fill the earth and subdue it. Take dominion. Amen? Who of you in here knows that we are kings and priests? By God, by the grace of God, we are called kings and priests to the Holy One. So we need to take dominion, right? We were promised dominion since the beginning of time. Who has given us the deceit that we were not in control? Well, 
God is in control ultimately. But he spoke authority into us and said, take dominion. Wow. Here is Adam and his beautiful wife, Eve. And there they are, just in, in the garden, they're enjoying. You know, God actually said that he was able, or they were able to take of any tree that they wanted in the garden. But not of one tree. Just one tree, right? Uh, I just think of my wife whenever I read this, because she always calls herself a tropical girl. Uh, the reason being is because she likes mangoes and pineapples and coconut. That's, that's all her, so it gets her excited. She's like, man, I love fruit. Um, but I think of her whenever I think about, they had the opportunity to go to any tree, but they chose this one, right? They chose the knowledge of the tree, or the forbidden fruit, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in that day thereof thou surely die. Right? Well, what did, what did they do? We all know what happened next, right? Um, the serpent was cunning. He goes to Eve and he says, Hmm, did God really say? Did he really say that? Church, I'm here today to tell you, know what the Lord says, because you will be tested every single day. Hmm, did did, did God really say that? Well, guess what? We have the Bible in front of us. Let us not squander that. That's a huge blessing. There's going to be a day where we will no longer have that Bible, where people are going to be ripping it out of your hands, right? There is warfare, and we're moving towards that. There is even warfare and talks of warfare right now, currently. So it's not too far-fetched. It's not too far away, guys. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It says, and the Lord, this is whenever, where God found out, right? And he is going through uh, the repercussions of sin. Sin, meaning the disobedience. Out of the disobedience of Adam and Eve became sin, became death, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So let's unfold. Okay. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all the cattle and above all every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Mm, that's interesting. I'm always trying to like find the, the prophecies in the Bible. So I'm like, it's so intriguing that God cursed uh, Satan and the serpent altogether. And he says, you know, from this point on, you'll be eating dust for the rest of your days. And we see that Satan is like a lion, or likened unto a lion that is seeking whom he can devour. So the dust, being the dirt, being earth, being Adama, Adam, that is us, right? Um, that is just an interesting point. So if we keep on reading, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So he's still speaking to the serpent. Between thee and the woman. And between thy, what? Thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. Hallelujah. And then shalt thou bruise his heel. What is that seed? Who is that seed? Where is that seed? Let's find out. Here's another thing. Um, if you read the book, or if you read the Bible like it's a book, you're going to miss a lot of these goodies. 
Um, here it says Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them you know the first act of, of religion in the Bible is whenever they were scared and they, they knew that they were naked and so they were afraid that God would see their nakedness so what did they do they went to a fig tree and they sewn they, they hewned themselves cloth or aprons of the fig leaves and so whenever God was looking for them they heard the spirit of the Lord walking through the garden and Adam was afraid and and God said where are you Adam and he says whoa uh, I was afraid uh, that you might see me naked so I hid and God said who told you that you were naked but really what God was wondering is why are you afraid I never created a spirit of fear. I created a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Right? Right, church? That's very interesting. So, it's very ironic as well. It's, it's a prophetic thing that God, being the loving Father that He is, He clothed His children. Even if they were sinful, even if they were disobedient, He clothed His children with the best of the best, Right? we see that it says the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them. So how did he get these coats of skin? How do you get the coats of skin off of an animal? You have to kill the animal. The animal then becomes a sacrifice and blood is then spilt. So that way, you will no longer be naked. You will be covered. You will have a covering. God is perfect. Amen? He always has intended for this. Everything points to Jesus Christ. Everything points, and he has to lead us through the law. He, has to, he led us through the law in the Old Testament, in the times of old, with our forefathers and all of their fathers. He had to point these things out. And so that's what we're going to do to un uncover. So taking it nice and slow this morning, but we do, have a, we do have a plan here. In Exodus chapter 6, this is where we see that God is making Israel a nation for him, right? And he wants to be their God, and he's wanting them to be his people. So what does he do? Of course, he saves them. He saves them from slavery in Egypt. Again, let's, let's put ourselves in that story. We have our own Egypts, and we need our own saving. From what? You know, that's, that's you know, the, up to the author, and that's whatever you know and only you know. But God has a plan to save you. He is salvation. So let's read there. It says, Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. And I will take you to me, a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under, uh, under the burdens of the Egyptians. Right? So he wants to be known. He wants to be made known and for people to know that he is their God, right? This is the entire story of the Bible, and it's a continual, it's a perpetual cycle. So that's why we're uncovering it very slowly, but we're getting somewhere. All right? So after they passed through the Red Sea, there was a marvelous uh, God intervention moment where the Red Sea split in two, and the Israelites passed through, and they were saved. They were saved from the Egyptians that day, and they sang to the, to the God. They sang, they said, worthy Worthy, you are worthy, you are Yeshua. You have become my salvation. You are my light and my salvation, right? Then, 
God wants to be made known. And, you know, this people are a sinful people. They're still born into sinful nature, right? So there has to be a way that we commune with the Holy One. One who is holy, one who is set apart, one who is without blemish, to commune with people that are not like that. They are with blemish. They are with spot, with wrinkle. They have an affliction, which is the affliction of sin, through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. So we see, and we see that Moses goes up to the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai. He receives the word of God, and he spends a bunch of time up there, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, no eating, no drinking, right? He's up there with the Lord. The Lord reveals a plan to him. He gives him two tablets, which is the Ten Commandments. Have you guys ever measured yourself against the Ten Commandments? I have, and I just kind of want to stay away from that topic because I know how ugly it can be, right? I know what I've done. I know I fall even further than anybody that I know of, of that sinful nature of um, falling, falling short to the glory of God, right? It's because of sin. So it says in Romans chapter 3, what then? This is Paul speaking, talking about Jews and Gentiles. He says, what then? Are we better than they? Are Jews better than Gentiles? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles, and they are all under sin. They are all under sin. For all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. For all have come short to the original intent that God created Adama, created Adam, created mankind. So the law was created so that way it could be like a mirror. Whenever they see the law, they see, okay, this is how we are to act. This is how we are to commune with our God, right? He is holy, and we desire to prepare ourselves and to be with him and to serve him, to praise his name, to offer sacrifices. So out of, out of the trip that Moses had to Mount Sinai, this is what he drew. It says in Leviticus chapter 23, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto my children, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. So we're going to talk about the feasts, right? The holy feasts, the ones that Jews celebrate today. And we're going to kind of take a step through because we do know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and of scripture. Amen? From start to beginning, from alpha to omega, the beginning to the end, the first to the last, all of these are the names of Jesus. And so he will fulfill, from, from the, even from the tiniest letter, remember that we talked about it last time, Yod, the smallest Yod will not go without notice. It, everything will be achieved. Amen. So God created feasts, and the feasts were for him. It says right here, the first highlight says concerning the feasts of the Lord, not the feasts of Israelites. The feasts are for the Lord, for convocation, for, um, for remembering who God is in their life, right? So he had to show them step by step. And just from the beginning of time, from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, from the Old Promise, we see that even the prophet Jeremiah spoke of a future covenant. So he's revealing everything to his prophets, and his prophets are revealing everything to his children. So it says, 
Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. They have fallen short to the glory of God, right? They break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Remember, there is scripture out there that says, write the words on your heart. That is the entire goal of today. Remember to write the word of God on your heart because that is the only thing that will sustain you. It says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. We will be redeemed to the God that we always belonged to, but because of us falling short, because of the act of one person, of Adam, right? Because of his disobedience, we all have this sinful nature that we were born into, unfortunately. We were born into this dark world, but remember, God said, let there be light. He sent us Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so we are bubbling down to the feasts. There are um, two sets of, of feasts, I would say, uh, in total seven. But the first part is the spring feasts, and the latter part is the fall feasts, right? So whenever we look and break, break it down, whether you know it or not, it's my goal today to break it down to a fundamental or to the elementary level, right? So Passover, we remember in Egypt, whenever the, all the plagues were happening to Egypt, right? And God said, through Moses, let my people go. And the Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he would hold on to them through slavery. And he said, no, I will continue to oppress your people. You're not going to go anywhere. You're under my lordship. You're under my leadership, right? And we're like, we want a new lord. I say we, but it's really the Israelites. Um, so what happened is God, God tells the people through Moses, on this day, what you're going to do is you're going to take a lamb. And this lamb is a he lamb or a male lamb, one-year-old, right? Without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. He must be perfect. You are to take him and to sacrifice him. Take his blood with hyssop. You dip that in the blood and you mark it on the doorposts. So that way the angel of death will pass over you. So that way you will retain your life, right? You will not die. So it's by the blood of the lamb that they were, they were saved. That is the Passover lamb. Unleavened bread. All of this was happening so quickly, right? When God is doing something in your life, generally it happens pretty quickly. Just like that. You got to move, right, brother? So unleavened bread is the form. They were eating bread back in the day, right? And at that point, they had to move quick. They were moving in haste, right? It was quick, quick, quick. Come on. Grab your bags. Let's go. We got to go to to the desert. There's a lot of cool stuff there. I don't know if there's cool stuff. But unleavened bread, meaning hasty, right? So what they were to do is they needed to survive. They wanted to eat a meal. So they made bread. They did not have time to take leaven or yeast and put it in the bread. When you place yeast in the bread, it allows the dough to rise, right? And so people were enjoying the bread um, by the yeast. However, they didn't even have time to put yeast in their bread. So they had to eat like a flat bread, right? Or flat, um, a, 
a bread without yeast, unleavened bread. So that was a bread of haste. So they take that bread and they move out and they go into, um, into Exodus or the exiting of them being in, in Egypt. And they enter into the desert in hopes of the promised land. And then comes first fruits. So in Leviticus chapter 23, God continues to speak to Moses regarding the feasts. And he says, okay, here's the plan. You are the leader. And whenever you do get to the promised land, what I want you to do is take thereof the first fruit. Take thereof the best of the land. And I want you to give it to the priests. The priests will accept this and they will do a wave offering unto the Lord. And once they do that, then the Lord will deem it acceptable. And thereafter, they can continue their sacrifices. So this was the first sacrifice that would initiate all other sacrifices. So the first fruits were waved, and that was the first fruit. It was the best of the land. Um, I didn't put this on the PowerPoint, but I should have. But in Genesis chapter 4, after Adam and Eve were exiled from that certain location, the Garden of Eden, they had two children. They had Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel were to um, offer an offering to the Lord. Cain, being, uh, being the brother that he is, he was the tiller of the field. Very ironic. And then Abel, he was the shepherd. So he was, he, was, um, he was tending to the flocks. He was tending to the sheep. He was tending to the cattle. And so when time came to offer an offering to the Lord, Abel offered the fattened calf, the best of the best, the best of the flock. And I always wondered, well, why God did you not accept um, Cain's offering. I mean, it was the best that he had, right? Well, if you read back into it and you do some studies, it says that it was he that offered in time or at the end of the cycle, meaning that it wasn't the first fruits. It wasn't the best of the crops. It was whatever remained afterwards. Okay, let me go through the motions. Let me take what I have and let me offer it to the Lord, right? And it said, God said, Cain, if you do not do what is acceptable... Will you not be accepted? Like, if you do not do what is right, will you not be accepted? And Cain did not like that, right? So he murdered the shepherd. That's another prophecy. The shepherd was to be murdered. Jesus is that shepherd. So anyway, we talked about Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. So there are some requirements on each one. And we talked about how each one um, plays out. But now, let's talk about how Jesus is the fulfillment of each of those. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Amen? Amen? All right. So Jesus is male, without blemish, no broken bones. And he was sacrificed on the 14th day of the month of what it's called Nisan, which is the Jewish holiday. Or, sorry, the Jewish month of Nisan, which became the first month. Um, and that generally falls between March and April, so it's upon us. We're actually about to, to celebrate the Passover, the unleavened, unleavened bread, and also first fruits. Um, very interesting is no bones were broken on that lamb. Um, we all know that Jesus was pinned to the cross for our, our transgressions. And he was crucified, right? He was on that cross. And he, he died. He said, into your hands I commend my spirit. He said that to Father God. He gave up his life for us. And generally, when somebody was sacrificed on the, uh, on the crucifix or on the cross, um, they would take a blunt object and they would break their shins. Boom, boom. That way, at nighttime, whenever they're hanging, let's say they got off 
they would not be able to escape. But the soldiers, the Roman soldiers were like, mm, he's, already, he's already gone. Let's, let's not break his bones. It's to fulfill the prophecy. Unleavened bread, all right? Unleavened bread. Remember, we're talking about bread without leaven. And it says in Scripture that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And generally, when we talk about leaven, we talk about sin. Sin, a little bit of sin, when you welcome that little bit of sin and you do not deal with it, it can leaven the whole lump, right? So on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Jews, they take everything, they try to clean their house, get rid of all of the leaven that they can because they are to celebrate unleavened bread and remember and commemorate when God took them in haste. They, he took them from Egypt, amen? So they cleaned the house, they cleaned their house of leaven. Jesus was without leaven. He was without sin. And he cleaned out his father's house. Do you remember that, that scenario where he enters into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple and he, flip, he starts flipping tables and I'm like, man, shouldn't he be kind to people? Like, should, No, no, no. He is cleaning out. He's cleaning house. Amen? We have to do that sometimes. We have to be bold like a lion, right? And clean out the house. We have to clean out the sin wherever it is. All right, so we're all talking about seed. We're talking about first fruit, right? Jesus is that first fruit, and I would love to show you why. So after the Sabbath, following the Passover feast is generally where the first fruits are offered to God. They're waved by the priest. And um, Jesus, he rose after the Sabbath. He rose on the third day. And first fruits is the first grain offering to the Lord that makes all other offerings acceptable. Jesus is the first fruits, right? Amen? Can I say, can I hear a hallelujah? Are you guys still with me? Hallelujah. Amen. So my goal, again, is to show you that Jesus Christ reigns, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law from beginning to end. And so we can see that through the feasts, and I hope that this is sticking with you guys. Jesus is the first fruits. All right. In John chapter 12, this is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. At this time, he rides a donkey to fulfill scripture, to fulfill the prophecy, where the Savior rides on a donkey into Jerusalem, right, as their Savior. So he's riding uh, into Jerusalem on the donkey, and the people are shouting. They know the time has come because they read scripture. They were watchmen in their own time, and they saw that the prophecy says after you know, a certain time, that the Messiah will approach and he will approach on a donkey. So they, they go and they grab uh, branches from a palm tree and they have palms in their hands waving them back and forth because the Lord has entered. And they say, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Hallelujah! They know who their shepherd is. They know Jesus. So they are welcoming him, welcoming him in. Shortly after, they're at the feasts and they're celebrating and we have these two Greek men come up, and they go and they try to approach, and they try to figure out how they can speak with Jesus. But one of the disciples is in between them, stops him, says, uh, this, is, this is Philip, and they said, sir, we want to you know, speak with Jesus. We want to see him. And so Philip was like, mm, okay, let me go talk to the big guy, right? So after that, this is what Jesus says. He says, or it says, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, 
except a seed, except a corn of wheat shall fall into the ground and die. It remained, it remaineth alone, right? But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. All right, show of hands in here. Who is a gardener or who has done gardening? Okay, we have several people here. Um, I do not have a green thumb. I tried, and everything that I planted in the backyard bow decides to snatch up and chew and use it as a chew toy. So we just kind of gave up on our backyard dream for now. Um, but whenever you realize that whenever you plant a seed, the seed actually dies, right? The seed explodes, the shell of the seed has to open up and then out forth sprouts new life and then it takes root and we can't see that happening we have to be patient we have to wait on the lord for this we have to cling on to the faith and be patient just looking at the ground is not good enough we're like uh is anything happening we don't know but the faith tells us yes even the things that are unseen the god that is not visible is portrayed and is magnified and is manifested through jesus who is the visible image of the invisible God. Amen? So, then we follow up, says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Wow. Meaning that we receive Jesus, right? And sometimes with Jesus, we lay our old life down and we pick up the new life. We have died here and now we have picked up a new life or some people which i pray this is nobody in here or nobody that is hearing my voice right now i pray this is not your destiny some of those people have a a uh, calloused heart where they've gone through some things this in this world right they've gone through some trauma and it's preventing the word of god to to bring forth fruit in their life so i speak against that in jesus name but what we're seeing here is the people that hateth or that, that want to keep on to that, that life, they can't pick up this life over here with Jesus, right? Let's talk about the next verse here. And here's a cool little animation of the, the roots growing. Isaiah 53 says, Who hath believed our report? Who's going to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he was crucified and he rose three days later and he is the first fruits? Who's going to believe this? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. This is talking about Jesus. He shall go before him as a tender plant and as a root, as a root out of dry ground. All right, going back to it. Adam, Adama is dry ground. And Jesus is that seed that was firmly planted into you. And allow him to take root today. Amen? Amen. Yet it pleases the Lord to bruise him. Uh, he hath been put out of, I'm sorry. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, the seed of God, the seed of life. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Meaning that the days of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He will live for eternity. This is our prophecy here today. We receive the resurrection power through the word of God. Whenever we receive the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, we receive it unto us. And what happens to our spirit? It bears fruit. 
it breaks forth. We die, we become that seed that dies, but then gains life, and then will be fruitful, fruitful and multiply. So we can fill the earth, and we can subdue it, and we can take dominion over all things. Amen? Amen. All right. The parable of the sower. Jesus speaks in parables, and I will get to it in a little bit. But in Matthew chapter 13, there are a handful of parables that he goes through. And all of them relate to the seed. I'm so fascinated with the seed, I just wish that I could plant them, you know? That is what I'm here to do, is to be there to usher and to plant into people the word of God and to have the desire to seek him in the word. Amen? Amen. The parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is where Jesus tells his disciples, okay, think about it like this, you know? Think about a sower of seeds, casts a lot of seeds on the ground, and some of them fall on the wayside, or in other versions, it says some of them fall on a pathway. In those times, uh, they, you know, Israelites or Jerusalem, um, any of the inhabitants thereof, they have land, and the way that they divided the land, they didn't have fences or anything, so they just used a walking path. And so the walking path allowed them to access their land on the outer perimeter. So they would continue to walk and tread on this, this ground, and it would just compact it, right? So think about it like that. So whenever the seeds were casted onto the pathway, the birds or the fowls of the air would come and swoop up and take the seeds before they were able to bear life, right? Next, um, next we have the sower of the seed casts it, casts the seed, and the seeds fall onto hardened ground, almost like rocks, right? Um, back in the day, again, the Israelites would use rocks. Um, you know, some people use rocks as borders, right, to identify a border. But the Israelites would, would use them, would use rocks to gather water. <clears throat> in those times, they would have um, the early rains and the latter rains. And at that time, it would rain very heavily in, in, the, um, in Jerusalem. And so with the rocks, the rocks would create a divot, and it would save a lot of water because they didn't have irrigation like we do back then, right? So that's how they did things. But whenever you cast seeds on those rocks, um, the rocks received them, and there was very little soil for that seed to take root. So what happened is the sun scorched it with its heat, scorched it, and did not allow that seed to bear fruit. It actually died up and, and withered away. There's another that Jesus talked about where the seed is scattered and it falls on weeds or it falls on thorns and thistles and the thorns and thistles choke it out. It, it took the fertile land around it and it did not allow it to grow or manifest. And lastly is the good soil. The good soil, I pray, is everybody that's listening here. Everybody in Spirit of Prophecy Church. Everybody is good soil in here. Amen? Amen. That good soil received the word of God and that word of God is Jesus so whenever they received the word of God, they were able to bear much fruit. And it says that a hundredfold came in multiplication, 60-fold, 30-fold, and etc. Right? So we see that there is life. <clears throat> but Jesus was also revealing the truth to his disciples, saying the first of all of those are, um, you know, the birds. The birds is the evil one. He comes and he tries to take the word of God away from you, right? The next is about, you know, casting the seeds on the rock. Well, whenever the rock did not receive those seeds, that is like not having a firm foundation, right? And, 
and you didn't you weren't able to take root in that word of god right the third one is about the thorns and thistles which we see choke out the seed right and the fourth was of course the good soil all right you guys with me still yeah. all right so parable of the weeds or the parable of the tares right tares and wheat look very similar the only thing that identifies them is the seed is the wheat right so Jesus continues to talk about the parable, um, but we're, we're going to go through that really quick, and then we'll also talk about another seed, which is a seed of a mustard, right? The mustard seed, which is planted and is the smallest of seeds, but it bears the biggest tree for all to see, amen? So I'm going to go through these real quick, but I wanted to leave this with you guys today. I wanted to talk about the seed maturing. So the seed maturing, um, Paul was taught. So remember Paul, right? Paul in the New Testament. He was taught by Jesus for three years. It says that he was not taught by man. He was not taught by somebody. But he was taught by the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. And he didn't go anywhere until three years, right? Meaning I want, I, I hope, and it's my prayer that you guys would be able to Take the word of God and allow it to mature in your life. Amen? Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says, Therefore, uh, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word of God. And Jesus is the seed sower. He's the one that casts the seeds. It's so ironic that the disciples were scattered everywhere, scattered, you know, scattered in all these regions, but they are the ones that multiply. They're like the seed. Amen? You guys are also the seed or the ones that bear seed. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then saith unto the disciples, um, then, then saith he, Jesus, unto his disciples, thy harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Guys, if you go and you drive to any fast food restaurant, you see that there's always these signs, help wanted, just show up. Please, just come on, work, right? That is the cry of our hearts. Show up and work for the glory of God. Receive his word, and you will manifest his truth. Amen? We desire souls. We desire uh, people to be saved through salvation. There are so many broken hearts out there. And, you know, this is our heart here in this church. Lastly, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withereth, and the, pl- and the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall remain forever. I listed this, and I put a picture of the fourth man in the fire. Because no matter what, even if you throw everything in the fire, everything will be tried by fire, right? Everything will be tried by fire. But we always come out on top. We always come out shinier than we did going in. It takes a lot out of you, I promise. But Jesus is the word of God. Who will remain with you? Who will remain in you? I thank God for that. All right, testimony time. Testimony time. I am supposed to be here right now. Amen? There was, I mean, I, I've gone through, the past two weeks have been a little hectic. I believe that I have gone through some spiritual attacks because, uh, because of Satan. He didn't want me to be up here preaching this word to you guys, right? Two weeks ago, I had the privilege to speak to you guys about the word of God. On that Monday leading up to that time, there was something that happened to me, and I had to go to the emergency room. I went to the emergency room, then they pointed me, you have to go to a specialist now. I go to the specialist, 
And he says, okay, well now we have to do this extreme procedure on you, and so it needs to be done ASAP. Okay, okay, I'll do whatever I gotta do. Thursday, the procedure do is done, and recovery ensues, I'm trying to get better. And my wife is looking at me and she says, what are we gonna do? Like, what else do we do? Like, what's next? And I have a big smile and I look at her and I say, do you remember Job? I see this is exactly like Job where God says, oh, Satan, so you're traveling to and fro. Have you considered my servant Jonathan? Right? I'm like, you know what? I have to be there on Sunday. There is no way I'm going to miss my calling. I will be there on Sunday. I have to tell the people about the word of God within them. All right? Praise God. It came back with a good report, right? A good report. All the doctors said, I have no idea. You're healthy. You're healthy as an ox. I didn't see anything. Um, you know, just continue doing what you're doing and don't do these things, right? Okay, praise God. Next, next week is here, right? Building up to this, Monday, my wife falls into sickness. She feels like she has strep throat and that's extremely contagious. And so she, um, of course, she has to go get checked. And then my daughter comes home from her daycare and she has this sickness and it's just one thing after another it seems right when you're a parent it's just it just keeps on dishing it out so then i go to the store i get the same medication we've been using since she was born and we administer this medication to her she busts out in hives right she busts out in hives and i'm like okay so there's an allergy reaction something do we need to go to the emergency room you know so we monitored her and thank god we didn't have to go to the emergency room so everything is starting to, to settle down. And going back to it, praise God, Kate went to go get checked. And whenever she got checked, the doctor said, you're fine. You, you're not contagious. This is not strep throat. This is just something you have to endure, unfortunately. It might be just like a little cold, whatever. But you're fine. You're good. Praise God, right? These are little attacks here and there. And that was enough for me. But as I'm doing this PowerPoint presentation here before you guys, my dog, Bo, he loves to cuddle right next to me. He, he cuddles right next to my feet, and then he lays and he sleeps. He gets up very gently, and then he just spazzes out and goes into seizures. Just seizures for two-plus minutes, right? Sometimes it was making me think, hmm, doing this God thing doesn't feel good. It's, it's probably easier that I don't do this, right? I am here today. I am here today. We are not given the spirit of fear. We are given a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Amen? That's why I chose to live. That's why I chose to breathe. That's why I'm here today to give this word of God. And I know that it took a little bit of time, but I'm excited to invite you guys into that because there is warfare. It says the weapons of this war are not carnal. They are mighty through God, right? To, to what? To pull down strongholds, right? Even cast down imaginations. Everything that is high that exalted itself against the word of God, against the knowledge of God, will not prevail in Jesus' name. Amen. We are here to consume the word of God. We're here to bring each other up. We're here to warn the people that do not know about a God in this world that there is a God that loves you, that wants you to receive salvation in him. Amen? Amen. That is why I am here today. 
I want you guys to gird your loins. I want you guys to remember that we have armor out there that is readily available, right? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the feet ready to spread the gospel, amen? And we have power in our prayer. Let's do it, guys. Going back to it, remember, Ronnie Coleman, remember, Special Agent Bond, they knew the secret in their, in their secret place. And that is to continue to toil when nobody is watching you. To continue to pray earnestly, fervently, right? Or fervently. Um, read the word of God. It has power. There is an enemy out there that is seeking whom to devour next. Not you, church. Not you. Not in here. Online, not you. It's not going to happen. Whenever that happens, bow up your chest. Stand up in front of it and speak the word of God. You have power. And his power, the weapons fashioned against you, will not prevail in Jesus' name. We're here to learn the word of God, to consume that seed that has life. Amen? And we are that fertile soil. We are Adama. We are the soil. So today is my prayer that those of you that have not received the word of God, do it diligently. Let's seek after it. This is us right now. You're not called to be a bench warmer. You're called into warfare, into battle. You don't have a choice. Do you think I wanted to go through all that? No, I didn't. But guess what? I want Jesus, and I'm here to proclaim his goodness, to proclaim that he is God and that I can glorify him today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this privilege. Thank you, God. And I pray for the same privileges for you all, whatever it looks like in your life. Chase after the word of God. That is why we are here. Right? Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So for those of you that are on the line, or online, I don't know why I keep on saying on the line. Uh, for those of you online and for those of you that are in church, let's pray this prayer together to receive the word of God, to receive Jesus into our life as our Lord and Savior. All right? Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is truly the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died on the cross, arose three days later as my first fruits. I receive his blood to wash away my sins, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, and to save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that I did not mention is the invitation to the Lord's salvation. God says that he will not send something out and that it returns in void. We covered this last time, but it's so powerful, I just want to read it again. For as the rain hath come down, and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but, whereth, uh, but watereth the earth, and maketh bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in things whereto I sent it. Amen. Amen. So whenever you receive the word of God, you receive this promise into the Lord's salvation. Hallelujah. All right. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would like to hear about it. So reach out to us on, at contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. Um, if you need any type of prayer, I will be standing here gladly willing to pray for you. 
um, uh, that's my heart is to pray for one another to encourage and admonish, right? Um, also, if you have any other additional questions, like I said, contact at Spirit of Prophecy. Train the Prophets is upon us. Train the Prophets is very close, April 21st through the 24th. The reason why we have Train the Prophets, Prophetess Leslie is leading us in Train the Prophets. It's, it's, a, it's a school that will help us and bring us up into our, our own ministry, amen? Into the ministry of the kingdom of God. So what will you expect there? There are certain things uh, we're inviting everybody. I know it says inviting apostles and prophets, but we're inviting anybody. And we're, we're, we're casting out those, those seeds, right? We're sending out the invitations. Come, come and learn. So that way we can grow together, that we can bring forth the kingdom of heaven here. Because, I mean, the world needs it. Let's be real. Let's be real. It's a dark place out there. And we have the light here in our hands. Let's learn. Let's practice together. Let's train and learn how to use it. Amen? Amen. So what will I learn at Train the Prophets? Uh, here are several things. I won't list all of them, but it's how to lead someone to the Lord, how to lead somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what areas are strong and what areas are weak, um, how to prophesy accurately, how to give a word of knowledge and wisdom, how to get anointing for healing, how to do deliverance, so on and so forth. This is a rich training, and it's a privilege. You can go out there, and you can see all these different conferences, but this one is pertaining to the Word of God. This one is the one that matters. Amen? Amen. So, for those of you that are interested in here, please see Sharonda in the back. And for those of you online, please log on to traintheprophets.com to find out some more resources, uh, helpful resources, and how to get signed up for that. We look forward to seeing you. We really do. I'm in it, and I feel that I've, I've really grown, um, and I do it for his glory, ultimately. I do it for him uh, because he is my everything. So um, if you're listening to this and you have not become a member yet and would like to become a member, uh, the way that you do that is following this link. Uh, you can read any more of those resources there. Click on the Become a Member of this ministry and help us by donating. Lastly, if you liked this and you wish to have more, you can click the like button and share it with somebody that needs to hear that the word of God is planted into you as fertile soil. Amen? Amen. You can also subscribe so you can hear content like this every single week and twice, as, twice a week or even more than that. It is very rich and we need to arm ourselves with knowledge, knowledge in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And that is it. I pray for... I pray that you guys go forward and that there is a new hunger about you. With the things that you have learned today, I know that a lot of you have known. But it's my desire that we all grow together because it's, it's rough out there. There's going to be times where you don't know how to handle yourself, where you get yourself in a pickle and the devil is staring at you in the face saying, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I got power over you. You say, no, you don't. I was given authority over you. I'm going to stomp on your head, devil. Today is a day. So let's learn how to be bold for his glory. Amen? Amen? Let's learn how to rise as a church and create light into this world and manifest his glory. Amen? God bless you guys. If you guys need prayer, I will be here. And have a great and blessed week. Continue and go forth in the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.